My name is Todd. And this is Kathy. Welcome back to another episode of Zen Parenting Radio. This is podcast number 579. Why listen to Zen Parenting Radio? Because you'll feel outstanding. And always remember our motto, which is the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's <laughs> self-understanding. Much better. Thank you. On today's show... Uh, we're going to talk about a Robcast. Rob Bell is um, an acquaintance of ours. I'd love to call him my friend, but I don't think he would consider me a friend, but we certainly know each other. We get to other. see each other once a year. Um, and he did a podcast, a series of podcasts um, with his son, Trace. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, we're going to talk about the first of the series of four, and it's entitled Me, We, Everybody. Yeah. And... Um, we're going to use his podcast as inspiration to use the concepts that he and Trace talked about and put our own little spin on it. Yeah, and I don't even know if we need to spin it. We just need to Like, I don't want to regurgitate it. No, no, you're right. So we'll be adding our examples to reiterate what they taught. Yes, so mm-hmm. consider this a commercial for the Robcast. I love, I love referring to other podcasts on our show because we just think there's a lot of great podcasts out there. So Podcasters we like, unite. We like to share them. So anyways, uh, but first, a few things. One is um, my sister sent me an article. So these this is under the quick takes category, okay. sweetheart. My sister sent me a National Geographic article. So it's an article about how we can't get out. Normally, it's hard for us to get outside when it's cold out. Okay. And the Norwegians have a word called, I'm going to do it again, free loose live. Okay. And it's basically the idea that there's no such thing as bad weather. There's only bad clothes. Mm, I agree with that. And if there's ever been a time where we can take a lead from our Norwegians, brothers and sisters. Well, you are Norwegian. I am Norwegian. Um because, you know, who wants to go outside when it's cold out? But if there's ever a time to figure out a way to get outside when it's cold out, now is the time. Well, I know this for a fact because, first of all, I will say when I am cold, I am not the easiest person to be around. I don't love being in the cold. But we got for the holidays this year, we got a gift that these big furry snuggy things that you can just throw on. And, and they're not like Snuggies on TV. They're like really thick snuggy things. Yes. And so for the last couple of weeks... We've been wearing them and going on walks outside, and you don't need to do anything but throw this thing on and then just put your normal shoes on. And we've been going for walks in like 25-degree weather, and it's been amazing. And I'm not cold. Right. So I'm like, okay, here I am outside. So I guess the point of what you're saying is that if you're dressed for it, you're fine. Yes. So that's all. I'm just encouraging us all to not use weather as an excuse not to get outside. If there's ever a moment in our history where it's important to get those natural endorphins as a result of being outside, now's the time to do it. So the the name of the term is... Are you going to try it Free loose live and what it translates roughly to open air living. Okay. Okay. I just wanted to throw that out there. So So it's an article. You said it's in the National National Geographic. Geographic. And it's all about how the Norwegians just go outside and it doesn't matter what's going on out there. Will you link to it? I will put it in the show notes. Okay. Um, So that is my first quick take, which took me a while to get through. (laughs) Um, And then I want to talk about a Zen parenting moment. And the one I want to talk about, and it kind of fits nicely into what... The topic is for today, um, negative people. Yeah. And you always started out with a quote, and this is from Pat from Silver Linings Playbook. Who's Pat? Bradley Cooper. Oh, is that Bradley Cooper? His name is Pat? Yeah. I don't remember his name. 
Pat Salatano, I think his name is. Okay. And the quote is, the world's hard enough as it is. It's hard enough as it is. Can somebody just be positive? I feel like I did a terrible... Do you remember when he when he comes home and says that and everyone's mm. like on his case. And again, he's a little manic in the mm. moment, but you know, is Robert De Niro's his dad and he's totally worried about him. And he's like, what's going on with you? Or why are you going on these jogs? Yeah. Up, 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 up. You're just up, 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 up. And he's just like trying to get on with his life. It, Pat's a really interesting character. I don't know if you guys have seen silver linings playbook, but it's, it's such a interesting take. Um, and, and I'm using the word interesting because for some it may, it, you know, it's, depending on your experience with mental wellness, it may trigger you. You may find him to be inspirational. You may find him and Jennifer Lawrence for that matter to be right, wrong, whatever. But I find it to be an interesting take because I think it like demonstrates the, you know, he had some, he had some methods to make himself feel better. He had kind of like a self-help thing going on, even in the midst of his mania. And Mm he, um, you know, anyway, I just really like his character in that movie. So do you want me to read it or you just want to give a kind of summary about it? You well, tell me. Why don't you just read the instead of reading the whole thing? I think the I'll, I'll kind of give you the gist and then maybe you can add like a, you know, a quote to it or okay. something like that. Um, right. That if you're like, no, this is really important. OK, basically, the what I wrote about in Zen Parenting Moment is a email that you can subscribe to. If you go to ZenParentingRadio.com, it comes out twice a week. And I just write about something that I think might be relevant to people who need something optimistic or, you know, helpful in their inbox. And negative people is all about our awareness that sometimes we can take the advice of like teachers and stay away from toxic people, right? We can say, okay, that person's toxic, so I'm going to break up with this person or not spend time with this friend. But there are people in our lives that are negative that we can't stay away from. Yeah, because it, we, for whatever reason, our circumstances, we need to be around them. It might be one of our children. Mm-hmm. It might be a boss. It might be a parent. It might be an aunt. And now while I'm fully in, you know, in, you know, I believe that we should still have boundaries and we should still ask for what we need and not allow ourselves to be a casualty in this relationship. Sometimes we have to show up or be with these people, and we need to have some understanding of what they're experiencing, why they're being negative, and I don't mean we need to ask them, but sometimes we need to realize that they're just in a vicious pattern of negative thinking, Mm -hmm. and that they're basically speaking their pain, and we can recognize that without breathing it in, Yeah, and that we can see them as people who are hurting rather than view them with disdain. So I want to read the last paragraph and then we'll move on. We can also practice noticing their pain without picking it up and we can listen without breathing it in. We can envision white light all around us that lets love through, but keeps the negativity out. This can take presence and strength, but it increases our ability to be in all situations, even negative ones without becoming a casualty. Don't you have some type of visual that you put on a certain type of... that? I do that. I do white light. I thought you did something like it's a mesh thing that only things, only good comes in and anything bad gets repelled. Absolutely. You just read it. I said, I envision white light all around me Mm -hmm. and it is mesh. And so it's mesh for love. Meaning my love goes out and love can come back in, but there is a block, Mm -hmm. like a brick wall in it for negativity. So Mm -hmm. I view the negativity just hitting the wall and falling down. So I don't breathe it in. I, uh, 
went a long time not doing individual therapy with people because it was making me sick because I was absorbing everybody else's pain, which is, I think, what a lot of people do, therapists or non. And I had to learn how to not do that. Yeah. And I'm much better at and it. And it's a muscle that you have to... Absolutely. It's not like, oh, I got it now. No, and it's not magical thinking. Yeah. I mean, it starts as magical thinking, but then it's really in the... It, it really is a practice of that is not mine to pick up, but I can be here present for that person. Yeah. Uh, okay, so that's a Zen Parenting moment. So how do we want to start this Rob cast? So let's just explain the concept and then we can dive into you know our way of... of of organizing me, we, and us. So again, as Todd said, Rob and his son went through this explanation of personal growth is really what it is, mm-hmm. how we grow, because there are stages of growth, okay? And even though he doesn't get deep into this, I will share that it's it's connected to a lot of other theories. They, they were talking about um, very specifically spiral dynamics, um, which... It, it, it encapsulates a lot of what they talk about, but this connects to also moral development and you know personal growth overall. And so as they say on the podcast, they took a lot of their understanding and then they were able to explain personal growth with me, we, and us. And so me, we, and us can also be explained through me being pre-conventional thinking, mm-hmm. we is conventional thinking, and us is post-conventional thinking. Okay. And that language comes from it was it started with Piaget, and then a guy named uh, his last name was Kohlberg. He kind of it, um, created or developed what he called um, like a moral. I can't remember framework. What he called it. Yeah, he called it. I think it was like a sense of understanding moral development. I'll okay. just say it that way, just to keep it simple. So basically, he explained that these are the stages we go through in understanding ourselves and our morality. Okay. Pre-conventional, conventional, post-conventional, same with me, we, and us. I don't want to get too in the weeds about this, but I just want to explain that these are these theories we're going to be discussing are well-researched and have been around forever. Yes. But what I think is going to be helpful is that this will help you understand yourself and how you view the world and also why some people view the world their way and they are not going to see it in your way until they're ready. Yes. Okay. Don't, don't we just wish everybody were, they were exactly where we were that way. We yes. would agree with everybody all the time. Right. And we get very angry. Like, how can you not see the world the way I do? And it's because there's no reason for them to see the world you the way you do because their way works for them right now. So I have a question. Yeah. So were you... For this discussion, we're using the framework me, we, everybody, or me, we, us. Me, we, us, yeah. And it's not like, um, it it is sequential in a way. Correct. Because you can't get to the us before you get to the we, and you can't get to the we before you get to the me. You can, but it won't be a healthy way. Okay. Um, But there's also parts of us, like, let's say I'm in a relationship with my boss, and I'm very egocentric, and I'm very self-centered in that regards. I could be me in one relationship and I can be in an us in another relationship or situation. Is that fair? Absolutely. I think what you're trying to say is this isn't completely linear Mm -hmm. and being an us doesn't make you more special or better. There's light and dark to each of these stages. There's healthy moral development in each of these stages and you can go back and forth between the stages. I, you know, I write a lot about chakras and that, you know, I focus a lot of my energy on chakras and it's very similar Mm -hmm. in that you can 
be really focused on your heart chakra, but your your basic root chakra, chakra one, isn't fully developed. Yeah. And so your heart chakra is struggling because you're fully, you know, your root chakra isn't developed. So you can go back and forth. It doesn't, it's not like in the chakras, even though ideally mm-hmm. it would be that you go through, you know, you go through all of them in a linear manner and you end up in this really healthy state. Life, because we're human beings, is going back and forth between all of them. It reminds me of when I took karate when I was six years old, sweetie. Oh boy. Because you start as a white belt. Yeah. And then go to yellow. Uh-huh. I, I don't know what's third. I think third is green or whatever. And uh-huh. then you go to purple and then I think brown and then black. Um, you don't, um, you don't go from, uh, you, you, how am I going to say this? You can't get to the yellow without the white, but there's going to be times when I go back to the white and I only know certain things. Whereas in karate, once you're the yellow, you're the yellow and that's just where you are. Like there is no white anymore. And then you arrive to the next, you go to the green. Actually, I'm going to challenge that and say there is white, but you have transcended that stage and included it. Got it. Because... Maybe in the white belt, you learned how to stand mm-hmm. and bow and do certain things. In yellow, you're still doing that. So, in other so words, you've incorporated yeah, that. Yeah, so in other words, you're the yellow and the white. Correct. And you brought all the learnings from the white into the yellow. So as Rob and his son say on the podcast over and over again, transcend and include. You know what I mean by transcend? You well, transcend through. means to evolve, I think. Correct. So you move through that stage and you include what you learned into the next stage. So the truth is, all the belts that you have been in karate, you have transcended those and you've brought them with you. Quick note. Okay. I took karate for two years. Uh Uh-huh. You're still a white belt. I didn't take it very seriously. Okay. I screwed around in class. Okay. I remained a white belt the entire time. Right. So you were not able to transcend that stage. Not a lot of transcendence in my karate. (laughs) Karate. So in life, the ideal situation. And again, remember, we're going to go back and forth because sometimes we're going to regress because of life circumstances, or sometimes we can get stuck in a moment or a relationship or a challenge where it takes us back. Mm -hmm. You know, I guess I'll just use the word regress. So we're going back and forth. But the ideal is that every stage we're in, we bring with us. And I'm going to give um, examples of how when we don't do that, Mm -hmm. it becomes a problem. Before we get to that, I just want to play this 24 second clip of Rob and his son Trace talking about that that this framework that we're going to barely touch upon today is meant to be done with love Correct. and not judgment of others. This is ultimately about love and about meeting everybody you meet where they're at. Yeah. The moment this becomes a parlor game, like, what are you? What are you? What are they? Yeah, right? that's a huge disclaimer about this model. Right. That's, that's a big trap that people fall into is like like making it like a game where you place people into it. Right. That's not what right, it is. Right. Like, if yeah. this helps. There you go. What I love about that is that, again, they did four podcasts on this. Todd and I are just talking about the very first one. This gets really deep and intricate, and they even get into colors, which I've been annoying lately. My friend Annie and I, um, she's the one who told me to um, – listen to these podcasts. I usually listen to Rob's podcast, but she was like, you need to focus in on these. And she she and I now have been having these Marco Polo discussions about all of the learning we're yes. having through this process. Because anytime you get a model 
or language to explain human behavior. It's thrilling. Yes. And so we've been talking about how people are certain colors. So with under me, we and us are a bunch of colors. So which we which I haven't gotten to yet, but you started those podcasts. Yes. And I think maybe we could after the holiday go in there and start after talking this. about that. Yeah. We'll but see. we'll I you know, we wanted to start with this because obviously they did and we yeah. want to do our learning you know, because I've been reading mm. everything that Rob recommended on the show and, you know, trying to understand it from a more academic level and, and all the different people who have played a role in this spiral dynamics. Okay. Um, but again, I'm still learning. Yeah. So I don't, I don't like to teach until I feel like I get it myself. Okay. Um, so anyway, uh, what I love about what they said is this is not a parlor game. This is not where we walk around pointing at people saying, oh, they're a me. Or, you know, oh, they're us. This or, happens a lot with Enneagram. It does. And they compare this process okay. when we get into the colors, mm -hmm. which will be later, that fall under me, we, and us. They compare that to Enneagram. Yeah. They, I think it was Trace actually predicted that eventually we will be talking about spiral dynamics the way we do about the Enneagram. Yeah. That it, and while that has a light and a dark, right? The light is we learn to understand ourselves and others better. The dark is we start to pigeonhole people and like decide, make it very static um, rather than realizing the volatility. And real change. quick, I think the term spiral dynamics just sounds really cool. And before I listened to this broadcast, I never heard of that before. Right. Have you? No, I, I have heard some of the things, you know, what I was saying about the moral development yeah. and theory. I've heard a lot of theories that have contributed to yeah. this, but spiral dynamics and Ken Wilber and a lot of the authors that they talk about they're all on my uh, so, Kindle now, but I didn't have it before. So I just Wikipedia, Wikipedia, and that's not a verb, but you know what I mean. It's a model of the evolutionary development of individuals, organizations, and societies. Kind of right. cool. Like just when I think that I've at least heard of all these different things, now this whole other field that I never even became aware of, nor do I preach as an expert on any of this. I think it's just fun. Like, oh, there's a new thing that we can talk about. Well, not only that, but one of the researchers that I was reading about, reading his work, he did this in the late 60s, early 70s. Mm -hmm. This isn't new. Yeah. And that's what I love. Nothing Todd and I talk about is new. Nothing is new well, under the sun. what about my karate story? <laughs> well, that was new. Yeah. But what I mean is what we're trying to do is talk about the same thing with different formats, right? How, maybe this will help you. Like what I loved about this is Rob did a show a couple of years ago that we all fell in love. And I'm saying we all because Team Zen all fell in love with this show because he said on his show, we all evolve at different times. So we say that on Team Zen a lot. And yeah. I say that to my clients. We all evolve at different times. This is a perfect example of how we all evolve at different times. And again, evolving and being at different levels does not make you better. Yeah. There are people that can stay at a certain place because it works for them mm -hmm. and they don't need to move to the next. It's not necessary in their time and space. Are you ready for a real quick thing about them talking about moving from one stage to another and then you can dive into something? Go ahead. Yeah, let's see where it goes. Yeah, I, I, this is this is another really key point about this whole model is usually people move up, people move stages once they see the limitations of their own stage. So usually a, a, a move from me, a person moving from me to a we is usually seeing the limitations of the me stage. So they start to see that like just their own impulses, their own egocentric actions and way of operating the world is has certain limitations. They're not they're not. It starts to feel hollow. They start to feel like they want to, again, I want to be something part of something bigger than myself. 
Um, there, you have to, lots of times people have to move through a stage and kind of almost play the stage out. So they have to see the lim- the limits of the stage they're at in order to move to the next stage. All right. So that may have been a little early. No, I like it. Okay. Because now I will, you and I together will explain what me, we, and us are. Okay. Okay. So let's start with me. And Trace kind of said this a little bit, but me is our sense of self. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you can even think about this from like, you know, stages of our literal growth. Like when you're a baby, all you're about is you. When do I eat? When do I breathe? What's the energy I feel? Right. And so sense of self there, again, I'm going to reiterate this as we do with the Enneagram and with everything else. We are all of these stages all the time, meaning we take them with us Mm -hmm. and none of them are bad. Okay. All, but all of them can be dark and they can all have light. So you're saying, so because I'm first learning this, I figured the us is where you want to arrive at and there is no darkness to us. And you're saying there is. Oh, absolutely. There's darkness. So there's darkness to all three of them and there's light to all three of them. Instead of saying darkness, let's say there's an unhealthy pattern that can emerge under us. And we'll talk about what that looks like. Okay. And, um, and although it's evolutionary, so it starts with the me uh-huh. and hopefully goes to the we and then gets to the us, you're not... So what you're saying to me right now is, is the goal to get to the us or not necessarily? Well, obviously, because just by being human beings, we are all about progression and personal growth, yeah. right? That's just what human beings do. So there have been times in history when we've been at certain stages, maybe like, and again, I, I want to dive into the colors and I shouldn't do that yet. But, you know, like the Roman Empire was a certain stage of we, yeah. right? Yeah, tribalism. Correct. Yeah. Where us is more of a global. Yes. Like the visual that Rob gives on his podcast is me- is one person, yeah. right? We is picture two people together, and he said with a line underneath them, mm-hmm. meaning they're together. And they're on the same level. On the same level. Same ground. And us is more people with a circle around them, which means globally. Yes. So there's me, we, and us. Okay. So, but remember, just like in karate, you transcend and include every stage. So by definition, me isn't bad because mm-hmm. you needed that right. to get to us. You can't get to the yellow without the white. Correct. And some people try, yes. right? Um, so anyway, so me, sense of self, It obviously it's about your own energy and focus. You're learning about yourself. You need to get your needs met. You discover your likes and your dislikes. And very important, this is part of it that some people miss in the me stage. You figure out your boundaries, This is why a lot of people have to go back to me and do some work, which I know I did, and I know you have too, is that we didn't, we were a little disempowered in our sense of me. A lot of, because I work primarily with women, that's a lot of the work I do with them is re-empowering or empowering for the first time their sense of me Mm -hmm. so they can do, feel more full and, um, what am I trying to say, can feel more empowered in the state of we and us. Because if they're trying to do we and us without a me, then that's why they're exhausted and getting sick and feeling resentful. Right. Do you see? Yes. So me is, 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 you know, figuring out when to say yes, when to say no. A good example of what Trace just said about moving to a new stage. Let's talk about somebody who's an addict. Okay. So they're, let's say they're an alcoholic. Okay. And they keep drinking and doing their thing and saying, no, I want to do it when I want to do it. Mm -hmm. And their life is spiraling and they realize they need a we, which would be something like AA. Right. They need- They found their community. Correct. They need a community to help keep their me in check. Yeah. Okay. So just by definition, that makes we strong. Yeah. You know, where it's like, okay, I was so in the me 
even as like a 30-year-old or a 50-year-old or, or a 17-year-old, that I couldn't see how much I needed the we. Mm-hmm. Okay. So alcoholism pushed them to that new stage. Got it. Okay. So again, any questions about me before I go to we? I don't think so. I think I'm good. Okay. So we is the understanding that we have a role to play in society. So they talked a lot about how sports is a really good introduction for kids about there is a team. Mm -hmm. This is your role. This is how you show up for the team. I thought the same thing about education. This is how you show up in the classroom. This is what I need from you as a student. In we, you start to understand that there's rules and structures and that it's not all about you, um, but you can belong to something, okay? And so you're part of something bigger. This is where we can develop our moral compass Mm -hmm. around like, I want to do something to help other people. This can be service-oriented or getting our sense of belonging. Now, one of the things that happens though in we is we discover a hierarchy, okay? So someone's in charge and we are either... You know, somewhere in that line let's just of leadership. Pick, let's just pick a example, like sports. Okay. So somebody's in charge. There's the, a coach. The coach. Right. Okay, go ahead. And then you are a member of the team. Yeah. And you learn to listen to that authority and obviously think that the coach is, I hear a lot of athletes talk about that the coach changed their life or that they were like a father figure to mm-hmm. them or a mother figure to them. And so, you know, that, and then you start to believe in that we mm-hmm. As what it means to be human, is to be a part of the we, okay? Now, what can happen in the we, and this again has its light and dark, is this is where religion may come in, where you belong to a church, Mm -hmm. so you have a sense of belonging, right? This Mm -hmm. is how, this is the story of creation. Yeah. This is what I know. Political identification. This is what I am. I'm either Republican, independent, or Democrat. This is where I belong. This is who I am. Identity, right? Um, This can happen in our generation. We're Gen X, millennials. Mm -hmm. You know, we start to identify that way or with our gender, you know? So we become a part of a we, but you can see how that can get not great. Yes. Because if our, one of the things they said, I can't remember if they said on this podcast or another one, is that we loves, we, the identification of we loves a good flag. Yep. What is what do they mean by that? Well, like for the United States, this is our symbol. This is who we are. We are this flag. Yep. Um, even, you know, the LGBTQ community, this is our flag. This is who we are. And so flag can be literal or metaphorical. You know, like we are this and we are correct. In religion, our story is the right one. Yeah. This is the way we interpret the Bible, or this is the the historical text that we adopt, whereas another group may have a separate, completely different historical text, and that's the wrong one. Correct. And that's the perfect way to say it, is that people in a certain religion may know there's other religions, but they don't, if they're really in the we, they don't believe the other religion has any value or merit. I just thought of an interesting example that will be kind of an overlapping we-us. Okay. Football team. Yeah. After the game is over, you will see sometimes that people of the opposite teams will come to the center of the field to pray. Mm. So they were in battle with this team, a metaphorical athletic competition. I don't want to sometimes battle is, is not the right choice of words. They're in this competition against another team, and they did their best to beat them or, or win the game. But then after they come together as us us. to pray to whatever God that they happen to pray to. What's interesting about that is I'm not sure. I think I judge that that's usually a Christian-based prayer circle. Mm -hmm. 
I don't, I don't, not, not that there's many Muslims playing in the NFL, but that we, I, but there are, but there are, yeah. but I don't remember seeing them, uh, kneeling in the same way that a mm-hmm. Christian might or certain, you know, even Muslims have to, um, pray towards a certain direction mm-hmm. uh, geographically. Mm-hmm. So in other words, that there's an us element to them coming together with their opposing teammates and now it is about the us, but even that us could be another we. This is why this gets so interesting and gets so, I want to say messy, but that sounds negative. It you have to see, It gets complicated because you just gave a great example of like, there is an us-ness, but it's a limited us-ness. Yes. And that it, the we of at least our country is very Christian-based. Yeah. So the we is, well, I get to pray but you don't get to pray mm-hmm. because you don't pray the way I do. Yeah. And so the we can really, okay, and this is what's so interesting about the transcend and include is that there are, okay, I'm kind of jumping, sure. but it's the That's story right. is Let's just kind around. of come up. So I thought about you because you were raised Catholic. Yeah. You went to a Catholic Jesuit school and then your senior, junior year, and you were very, I would say, and maybe you'll agree with me, that you growing up were very we. You were Chicago. Yep. You were Catholic. Yep. You were very guy. Yep. You were very connected to, um, you had a very- All boys, like, Jesuit high school. This is what boys do. This is what men do. This is what Chicagoans do. This is what, so you were very, you had a very me focus. And then your senior year, you took comparative religion. Yes. And you learned? Yes. I learned about Buddha. I learned about- Gandhi. I learned about the only, I've learned about philosophers, Socrates, all these different um, ideological leaders or, or thought leaders. And the only person who was not, I remember the cover was yellow and it had a picture of all these different faces. And the only one who was missing was Jesus, which I thought was fascinating. I'm like, wait a second, this is religion. And I've been learning My about Jesus, all, Jesus for the yeah. last 11 years. And now there's no Jesus on here. And it was a really awesome class. For and me. so in that moment, what that teacher, Mr. What, Mr. Coleman, Mr. Coleman, or that curriculum was asking you to do was expand your, your we mm-hmm. to us. Yeah. And people in that situation either go one of two ways, either there, and I'm going to use Rob Bell's um, language, either they accept the invitation and they expand to us and say, well, that's interesting. Now, it doesn't mean they have to let go of their we. They mm-hmm. don't have to stop being a Christian. Yeah. But they expand their definition of what religion and what praying means. Yeah. Or, and this we're, this is happening a lot in this country now, they regress and double down on the we. Yeah. The invitation was offered, and they denied it. Mm-hmm. They said, I'm not taking that invitation. We is the only thing. This flag is the only way. You know, this uh, political party is the only thing that exists. And there's a regression rather than a transcending and including. Yeah. Okay. And that's the thing I think that why I enjoy talking about this is that what I hope on our best days, Todd, that you and I talk about a healthy us. And it doesn't mean that you and I are always ourselves healthy uses. Mm-hmm. But the goal of Zen parenting is to expand into a healthy us. Now, there are, as we're going to get to in a second, there are unhealthy us's, meaning I'm not saying everybody needs to think and do what we do. They need to have a, a their own sense of me, mm-hmm. their own sense of we, and then we are in us together. But you can't just go and say, I just believe this now, if you haven't transcended 
and included in your own life. So I don't know if this example is going to make sense or not, but I'm going to okay. say it anyways. Gun laws. Okay. You got people who are pro-guns. Perfect. You got people that are yes, anti-guns. Yes, a good one. <clears throat> At the end of the day, most people, I think, whether you're pro-gun or anti, whatever the, whatever the language is, they want a safer world. Correct. We're all on the same page. Some people that. want it safer and they think that more guns will make it safer. And other people are saying less guns will make it safer. If we can look at, I think, the healthy version of us, let's say I'm totally anti-gun. I don't think anybody should have guns except for police officers or whatever. Um, I think that if I am in a healthy place, I can look at somebody who is pro-gun and look at them. I get why you feel the way you feel because you want to arrive at the same place I do, but instead we get into this we culture and I'm the good guy and you're the bad guy. Correct. And they would say the opposite. Exactly. You're the bad guy. Right. I'm the good guy. And this is what we talk about on the show a lot is not living in the binary, mm-hmm. which the binary is very we. I'm right. You're wrong. And the understanding that many things can be true at once and that can we have that conversation without being, cause again, we is very tribal. Yeah. You know, I am a, I have a gun. Therefore I hate anybody who wants to even talk about my rights. Talking about making guns safer does not inherently mean we are taking away. And I'm saying we, mm-hmm. uh, th- that there is a desire to take away rights. Yeah. There is a place of just like we learned, and again, people use this all the time, I know, but just like we, we're not saying let's take away cars, mm-hmm. we're saying let's wear a seatbelt and keep driving the yeah, car. right. Instead of all guns should be gone. And I know some people believe that too. Sure. But there is a place in the middle, but what we do is we regress into the we and just decide I hate anyone who thinks differently than I do and I won't even listen mm-hmm. to, and, and this is not all about like... We're sitting here talking about people who really don't want anything changed with guns. People who want things changed with guns can be just as we. Mm-hmm. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. They can double down and regress into their own we. Sure. Which is, I hate you because you have one. Yeah. Or I'm not going to hear your family history or understand your culture. Right. I'm just going to say you're bad. So there. this is why... We all live in this space. There isn't you're good, I'm bad. We're all over the place. So um, what was the... So I kind of feel like what this is, to go from the we to the us, it it necessitates an expansive, an expansion of thinking. So let's talk about us. Okay. Because I already talked about me being sense of self and we being a little more tribal and okay. group and belonging and having a sense of purpose. Us is the whole Yes. So it's about how we affect each other in the whole. It's out of the box thinking. It's reestablishing, uh, it, let me say that again, reestablishing words that create our own personal meaning with mm-hmm. the word. Yeah. Okay. And I'll talk about that when it comes to religion. Um, us is how to be, how to include everyone. And even that has challenges in itself. Like it, one of the things that they discuss is part of the us is not having a hierarchy, mm-hmm. okay? The us is flat. It's interesting because I kept thinking about my very first real professional job. I had jobs like retail and, and, and retail is professional, don't get me wrong, but I mean where I was in my career of choice. Yeah. When I went into my career of choice, I worked for a university and my boss, my very first boss was not only a woman, mm-hmm. but we had a flat hierarchy. Yeah. Like I had the same size office my boss did, yeah. you know, and I'm calling him my boss just because we, you know, right. he was in his fifties yeah. and yeah. I was 20 something. Um, 
but there was a flat hierarchy. And that so I kind of started in that place, which it didn't always it wasn't always that way as I continued through my professional work. But but even in that thinking of flat hierarchy, there is a hierarchy in saying flat hierarchies are the best. Mm-hmm. Because that in itself is a hierarchy of thinking. Yeah. You've decided this is the best. So really there's a paradoxical challenge in saying that there's no hierarchy. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Well, kind of, I don't know if this is going to make sense. I'm going to say it anyways. Um, let's think of some person who walks around the earth as, uh, and gives up all of his possessions. His or her. His or her possessions. And... Um, and they just walk around and try to help people or yeah. whatever. You could see how that person, although all they do is help people, if they think that they are better than the guy driving his Mercedes. So even within the person who seems to be um, more of a martyr, more of a martyr, even even that person can have this hierarchy like, oh, I'm better than you because I gave everything up. Absolutely. I mean, that is like we... You know, the person who says, well, you do this job for a living and I do this job for a living, which makes me better. Mm-hmm. There's a paradox in that because you're deciding what's better. Yes. Right. So you're saying I work for Greenpeace yeah. and you work for a bank and therefore I'm a better person. But you then put a hierarchy. This happens all the time with um, tolerance. Mm-hmm. OK, which I know people don't love that word anymore. It's just a good example. Um, people aren't tolerant of the word tolerant. Yes. So a lot of people who preach tolerance are sometimes intolerant of other people's intolerance. Mm-hmm. Do you see the paradoxical challenge here? Um, what is this? It's almost a hip. It's like hypocrisy. Yeah. In, in cancel culture. Yeah. I'm canceling you because you said the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. And we then are deciding what the wrong Yeah, because thing. the thing that you said was wrong, I don't agree with, so I'm going to stop you from... Doing things do, that are wrong right. by doing it sometimes... By doing the same thing. By doing the same thing. And this is where, you know, we talk about tools of the oppressor and other... And again, I am not saying that all parts of cancel culture to me right. are personally wrong. Like there are people... But see, it's interesting. I'm going to dive into this for a second because they even talk about this in the podcast. When I am teaching my social work students, some of, one of the things I start with is talking about empathy for others, right? Mm-hmm. And a lot of my students want to work with certain populations that have been challenged, you know, uh, women who have been raped, yeah. um, children who have been molested, yeah. um, people who have been, the justice system has not served them in either they've been harmful to them or yeah. has not served them in a good way. So they think about these people that they want to serve. And what I always say to them is you have to remember as a social worker, and if you're following the NASW ethical principles, you have to help the people who hurt them yeah. too. We don't just go through life. Like you have to think about how do I help this pedophile? You know what this reminds me of? Dead man walking. It, oh my God. Annie Annie and I were just talking about that as an example. So for you, those of you guys who don't know... Uh, old movie, 15, 20 years old, I don't know, uh, Susan Sarandon played a nun, mm-hmm. and Sean Penn played this murderer. Mm-hmm. And, a man who had murdered somebody. Yes, a man who had, yeah, thank you, a man who had murdered somebody, and the the family of the victims said to Susan Sarandon's character, why are you doing this? This man should be last in line to That's get right. any type of support or love or compassion or forgiveness or help from anybody 
Um, so anyways, that's well, and her being able to have such an us evolved that this person who, and you know, again, I, you know, we're talking about, uh, one nun. There are people who do this every day. Yeah. People who help the people. Like if you are someone who works in domestic abuse, you not only need to help the person who is abused, you need to figure out how to help the person who is abusing. Right. And this is where social work becomes complicated because we often get into it and think I'm going to help the people who are hurting. But we, we to change that system, we have to figure out why people hurt. Yeah. And so this is the, this is the, um, I, it's obviously it's an us perspective, but it's also where us can go astray. Yeah, because us can. There's a darkness in there where we say, "Well, I'm I'm us, but only if it's these people. Right. I'm not going to help these other people." And that can happen a lot, like right now with immigration. Mm. That can help in right right now when it comes to women's reproductive rights. Yep. That can come with when we talk about what it means to be pro life or pro choice. Like we have this language of, "I think this is right." And I'm going to be this, mm, but you certain. haven't looked at all the other aspects of then are you helping this person navigate this situation and where should the money be allocated for this situation? And it's, it gets complicated. Yeah. And I, what I, the word that's coming to me is I think our ego likes certainty. Correct. So it's safer for me to judge my neighbor because he or she happens to be on the other side of this issue. So instead of me kind of seeing how maybe the opposite of my story may be true, or maybe there's a reason why this person arrived at this moral standard, Correct. it's just safer for me to just judge them and say, yeah, I, I, I'm not buying what they're selling and I'm going to demonize them as a result. And sometimes the people who, which that has its own challenges, just to close the, you know, finish yeah. up what you just said, but sometimes people have arrived at a we-ness for themselves, and they haven't evaluated the me-ness of how, of why they think that way. Mm. They've either gotten involved in, you know, it's the religious belief yeah. or the school belief or the gender belief, and they haven't had enough time or done enough work in the me state to figure out, is this what I really believe mm. for myself? And here's the thing. This is why this is like a natural progression and there's a back and forth and like I kept saying, you know, kept saying transcend and include is that we can I was telling Todd, okay, let me let me get into this. Us. There are self-help books I read that are solely focused on us and the global awareness and the understanding of all people. And I can tell by the language that this person hasn't investigated their me. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of teaching and pointing the finger and a lot of this is what we should do. And it's a lot of replicating other people's, you know, basically just regurgitating what other people say, but they haven't investigated it for themselves. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that they don't really want to believe it, but do you understand this in your skin or did you jump without, you know, your me wasn't fully developed and you jumped to us, but that can make you less tolerant of the we and the me. Yeah. Do you so see? You, yeah. So you're jumping over stages and, you know, I don't know, maybe we'll name this podcast Transcend and Include. I don't know if anybody's going to like that title. So we may or may not we'll do that. But but can we 
um, in a healthy way bring what got us there. And sometimes you that's a version of an unhealthy us, right? Correct. You didn't do your work beforehand. Right. And an unhealthy me is like you didn't accept the invitation to go to the we, so you're just doubling down on your me. Correct. And me is very, you know, a me. There are adults who are still in me. Mm-hmm. I know a few leaders yeah. who are still in me. They have not transcended and, you know, moved forward with their we yes. even yet. But can I can I say this sure. first? Sure. That and this gets into the colors again. This I, I don't want to get too far into this. Um, but you can be a leader who is in the me who uses language of the we to convince the we that you're really about them mm-hmm. when you're really about the me. Yeah. You're just using words like patriotism. Yeah. And constitution, yeah, and things that make people go, yes, he, 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 I'm giving myself, he's a, he's a we, yeah, but he's really a me, yeah. So it's it's a disguise, yes, and and some people who feel like they have more of an us can be like, how do you not see that? Mm-hmm. How do you not see that? And it's not because us is so smart, because us again may not have a fully established me, and we may do things that aren't healthy, yeah. But there is a sense of we don't understand why you can't see through that. But the truth is, is that when you are really in, when you are an established we, and when your belief is around this one issue or these two issues, hearing someone say, I'm with you in that we, can convince you to say, well, this is my path. Right. So again, I hope I'm not sounding judgmental. I'm trying to I'm trying to point out where we can all be at different times. Well, and this is, and before I play this next clip, it's a vehicle for, empathy. Like if, if I'm securely in the us stage on this issue or that issue, you can either say, Oh, look at that person. He or she is in the me stage. So don't they suck? Or you could be like, I was there too. And they just haven't gotten over to the we yet. Or they were in the we stage and then someone took away their job Mm -hmm. and then somebody, then they were like hurt by somebody, you know, harmed or their house or there was a natural disaster and their home was taken away. And then they have to be back in me because they're in survival. Yeah. I was going to say that drops us from our prefrontal cortex down to our reptilian brain. Correct. Survival. Right. Like I need to feed my family. So I'm not so much worried about these people on a different continent right now. Yeah. And so when an us comes and says, we're all one, mm-hmm. they're like, I don't even have shoes. Yes. And so this is why we don't want to be too finger pointy yeah. about you need to think the way I do. Because Todd, if you and I lost everything, you know, in whatever that means, mm-hmm. we would also sure. be back at me saying, I just need to get my needs met right, right. now. Right. So. That's, you know, these are the things that you and I have learned through 10 years of doing this podcast is there have been things I've said years ago that then I've had a personal experience, if it be, as I've discussed, you know, being sick and then having to take meds where I wasn't really big on meds before that. And then I'm Mm -hmm. like, ooh, now I'm taking meds Mm -hmm. or my dad dying and dealing with grief or your mom dying and dealing with grief and being like, oh, this isn't what I thought it was. Personal experience, an experience, a challenge can drive us back down to me, which helps us grow, transcend, and include new information, healthier information to go back into we and us. So I don't know if this clip is going to help us or not. It's about stress. So it might be, it might be close to where we are. Let's see. In now, one more thing. In times of stress, going back to 9 11, in times of stress, loss, pain, or disruption, 
we can allow that pain and shock and ache to break us open and we expand and move into new spaces or we fight it and we dig in our heels and we regress. So imagine if there was a global pandemic. <laughs> imagine the disruption, stress that would put people under. And what happens when you regress? Well, um, you might have something like a mask turn in to a political, political issue. Yeah, political symbol, yeah. So when people kept saying to you, why are these people rejecting science? Because science is at everybody. Yeah, yeah. Why are these people refusing to wear masks? They're literally putting other people's health in line. Yes, they're regressing from we to me. Boom. That's a perfect example. Yeah. And that we say, well, then you're a horrible person, but we're not. And that can be a very flippant response. Like it can seem that way and feel that way. And we point a lot of fingers, but there's a story in there. Mm -hmm. There is a we in there that they're they're wrestling with. Like another story. And this is JC and I were just talking about this the other day because she's going to college next year. We were talking about how some people like say that they and I won't even talk about her specifically. It's a little more like your story of growing up in a certain town or city, big city yep. where you had certain belief systems and then you go to college. So say you learned that Christianity is the only way Catholics are the way to go and that Muslims are bad. Mm -hmm. OK, and then you go to college and your roommate or your next door neighbor is somebody who happen that happens to be part of their identity. It's not everything, but it's like they're Muslim and they're like the best person in the world and such a close friend and somebody and it like awakens you. It's an invitation to question yeah. what you learned. And you either accept that invitation and or move you forward regress. or you regress. And you double down and yeah. you say, no, I'm not in this. I, I've watched this with some of my good friends and some of my clients when it comes to religion of this is what, and because religion, if there's not a healthy sense of me mm -hmm. in the we, yeah. then religion can keep us from progress. It keeps us stuck yeah. in a mindset. Now, what I want to say about that, because I said something about reestablishing words for personal meaning, I want to give two examples, because under the us, sometimes we reestablish words. What I had to do when I was in in a stage of we, when it came to words like God, mm. I'll just use the word God, is I had learned something very specific about God. It was a little more of a judgmental, be fearful kind of thing. Yeah, the man in the in the in the cloud, in, in the cloud on the throne judging and all that. Yeah. Correct. And so I had to let go uh, to, as I was evolving or uh, transcending into another stage of we, meaning I was coming out of that we of religion. I had to let go of the word god mm -hmm. for a while because I it it felt not like who I was. Because you attached a meaning to that word for the first X amount of years of your life. But now where I am with that word is I love that word now. Mm -hmm. I use the word God all the time, but it means something completely different to me now. Yeah. So sometimes I can be talking to someone who's still in a very we state with God, and we may both be using the word God, yeah. but we may be using it in a different way. Yeah, and because words are just constructs of letters put together. It's like, what is the meaning underneath the words? And Correct. you could be using God in one way and somebody else could be using God in a completely different way. So it's all about what's underneath it. Exactly. And that's a more us of like this word. I had to let go of this word for a while, but now I've included 
that word. Mm -hmm. I transcended that, and I have included that word in my new understanding, but it has a new meaning to me. I always talk about how the word husband, I struggled with it, because in my we stage of being like a 20-something girl who thought men were jerks a lot of the time, and you and I having a history of breaking up and a a lot prior Mm -hmm. to, you know, committing to each other, when when I started to use the word husband, it had that energy of like people around me saying, oh, husbands do this and husbands do that and husbands can't be relied on. And it didn't fit you and I. Mm-hmm. So I had to drop that word of that we, of that I am someone who has a husband and kind of figure out really what is our relationship without that heavy word. Right. And now the word is fine. Yeah. Like I use it all the time, but I had to, I reestablished what that word meant to me. And the only way you can reestablish it is to go through some type of process. You Correct. can't just, well, I mean, I guess you can, but you needed to go through some time where you didn't use that word. Correct. Could you have just decided right away at some point, like, well, that's not what that word means to me, but I'm just going to go ahead and keep using the same word, but I'm going to give a different meaning. Do you think that that's as likely to get through it as in, in a healthy way? Well... There's no me process in that then. Yeah. Do you see, I had to kind of go back to me and be like, what does this, what do I want? It, okay, so let me give you an example of how this can go the other way. There are people that grew up, let, I'll stay on religion, with a certain religion, and they were in the we stage. Mm-hmm. And then they trend, they move through that stage and they feel more in an us stage where they see all religions. But they hate their old religion. Yeah. They hate it. They're like, I can't stand people in religion. I have, a, I have disdain for people in religion because I got hurt in religion. So religion's all bad. And, and Rob speaks to this I on his podcast. I actually have that pulled up. You do? Yeah. Oh, perfect. I think so. Okay. The Bible has often been read by people at we to say, we have the truth. Other people don't. And so through that lens, we will go witness to them, evangelize them, colonize them, conquer them in the name of our God, who is the one true God, and we will get them to believe us. So from we, it basically said, we will relate to the world to the extent at which people will join us in our we-ness. When you move to an integral reading of Jesus, God, the Bible, faith, you begin to see it in a whole new way, like a gift of love to the world, a story that everybody is invited to. Well, and if I could just fanboy Rob real quick. So Mm -hmm. for those of you who don't know who Rob Bell is, he had a mega church in Michigan and by his own admission had some type of breakdown. He needed to remove himself from that. He went to California and started surfing. And now he integrates all these wonderful lessons. He had a breakthrough. Break, Yeah, breakthrough. Mm-hmm. He, he did break down by his own words, but it ended up being a breakthrough. Correct. You're right. Both words are fine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyways, it's that's why the story is interesting because Rob is somebody who did have a certain ideology, at least... My understanding of Rob's teachings is he had a certain ideology uh, that his religion was the most truthful, and then he had a breakthrough. So let me use the, you know how I was saying that me is pre-conventional, we is conventional, and us is post-conventional? So when it comes to religion, pre-conventional is I don't even know what religion is yet, right? Conventional is I have a religion. This is what I believe. This is what all people should do. Post-conventional is... I have a now a personal 
understanding mm-hmm. of what religion was hoping to teach yeah. and that it is not that and so it's funny because i I sometimes talk to people, like I have Jesus stories, and even with the girls, sometimes I surprise them, because I, not only do I read all of Rob's books, but I get Richard Rohr's um, email every morning, and he's a Franciscan monk. It's all about Jesus. It's all about scripture, and I read it every day. And so someone who's in we may say, well, then you're a practicing Christian. Sure. And I'd say, well, I love Christian concepts and teaching and I've incorporated it into who I am, but I'm not quite sure you and I do the exact same thing. And it's not about better or worse. It's about, Different. are we speaking the same language? Yeah. Is there a, um, you know, it, it, we have the same words, but does it mean yeah. the same thing? And this is, and let me go back to the story that I was telling before, before you shared that. There are people who then are in us who hate their religion. I'm using that word on purpose. They're like, anybody who's, I I don't like Christians, I I don't like religion. And Rob actually will say to those people, did you learn some morality in your church? Mm. Did you learn about discipline? Did you learn to teach? I mean, you know, did you learn about singing in a choir? Mm -hmm. Did you learn about group dynamics? Yeah. Well, then you got something from that religion. Now, it may have harmed you too. I'm not underestimating the harm, the spiritual harm that a church can do, but you can transcend and include the good parts. This is a really important quote, okay? I thought it it was the most important quote to me because this is what I see happening in, in society. People look forward to these stages with fear. If they're looking like ahead, if they're a we, they look at an us with fear. Yeah. Like I don't want to have to consider the you know s- systemic racism. I don't want to have to like take ownership for what my ancestors did. I don't want to have to be self-evolved, and I don't want like they look at it as like don't please don't tell me who to be. Yeah. Which you can understand that right. Sure. It feels like weighty and heavy. Um, Sam Harris, your guy, Annie sent me a podcast that he did about how he didn't understand why people liked Trump. Mm-hmm. You know, and it, it, he goes deep into it, but he was saying that sometimes Trump can be a relief to people. Like, oh, I don't have to be perfect because yeah. he's not. Yeah. And there's this sense sometimes on the left that you have to be accountable to everybody, great at everything, always worried. There's an understanding of it's too much sometimes. Right. So can you see all that? So again i'll say this look forward at stages with to stages with fear and look back on your old stages with disdain mm-hmm. that's the unhealthy way correct of where you are in through. us and you look at the we with disdain yeah. you're like oh those people in religion oh those people in sports oh those people cuz you've moved out of them but you may not have transcended and included the good parts of them well and it's funny i'm probably going to get in trouble for saying this but i'm going to say it anyways it reminds me of the relationships with I had with a lot of people in my 20s. And it was based on alcohol and inauthenticity and sports tr- sports, and trying to chase girls. And then I found this new group of friends um, and it was much more connected and authentic and it didn't necessarily have to have alcohol around. And there was a part, there was moments in my life where I demonized the old way. The old way. Mm-hmm. And just now in the last few years, I'm coming around to where it's okay to be a drunken idiot for a night. Of course. Whereas there was a time in my life where I'm like, I'm not that 
and I don't want to be that, and I never want to go there again. And I'm, I'm still, I, I have to be honest, there's still parts of me that doesn't like that part. But I, I spent a weekend with some good friends uh, this summer, and I just gave myself a license to act like I did when I was 25. Well, and you're focusing very much on the me, yeah. but I would focus on the we of why would, if we got something from those friends, which I know you did because mm-hmm. I love them too, why would we ever want to like not include them? Yeah. Like transcend that stage yeah. and and meet new people and find connections. But you can bring those people with, well, like they're I not can, less than I us. can invite them. You can invite. Well, you can include. They are your friends, even if they're still in weed. Sure. You can invite them, but they don't need to be like you. Right. And when I when I heard you say bring, I thought you meant, oh, just take them on the same ride you're no, on. No, no. I'm saying like looking at uh, having friends in all different me, we, and us. Sure. And again, I, I'm reminding you guys that under me, we, and us are a bunch of different stages. Yes. This gets into really, this gets intricate. And that everybody's at a different stage for whatever reason. And to be like, I will only be friends with people like me. Yeah. That's a we mentality, yes. Todd. That's yes. a we. Right. That's like, that's not us. Yes. So it's, I want to have friends who, you know, who are my old friends, new friends, people who are not like me, people who have different life experiences, and that all of them can fall under the category of friend, mm-hmm. that it's not. And now, and again, I know some people are listening saying, yeah, but that's now toxic for me, or I need to separate for a while. That's okay. That's like me separating from the word God, God and yeah. husband. Sometimes we need distance. Sometimes you need a clean break. Correct. So we can figure out our empowered we and move into us, transcending and including that understanding. And then we have those friendships from the right place with new boundaries, with new respect for ourselves. But sometimes it takes time. Yeah. And then we got to close shop an hour in. But I remember I had a girlfriend in college and I, she broke up with me and I needed a clean break. She wanted to be friends right away. Right. I'm like, that's not going to work. No. I still had feelings for this girl. And so that's kind of like, yeah, I need to separate Correct. so that I can integrate afterwards. Correct. You know what I mean? Well, you need to separate to heal. You had to go yeah. back to me right. to figure out your new boundaries right. and your new self-understanding of what this means. What does a breakup mean to you? Or, um, you know, like I would love to, and I know we can't do this right now, but hopefully we'll talk about this again, is how this works in family, mm-hmm. you know, going from me, which is just me, single person doing my own thing. And then we become a we mm-hmm. as a family. Sure. And then how we can, you know, that has its own dynamics and then how we move into an us yeah. as a family. Right. And, but then understanding that if you have a family, you, people may be in different places. Like this goes to Todd when people, you know, we have more, the, the most common question that Todd and I get is how do I get my spouse or my partner to be on the same page I am? if it comes to being in the us yeah. or spiritual or my parenting style or whatever it may be. And you can't make people go where they don't want to go yet. Mm-hmm. You can't force them. You can talk to them and share with them, but you also, as we said at the beginning about love, need to love people. Where they are. Where they are. Which is really a huge paradox because, oh, oh so I'm supposed to love the fact that my husband likes to discipline my kids in such a toxic way, like, you know, it can get really complicated Complicated because it doesn't mean this is where boundaries come into play. This is where our me gets established. How do you speak up for yourself in those situations? How do you have conversations that where you're not being disrespectful to him the way you feel he's being disrespectful to others? Like this gets really the me, we, and us get really, um, intertwined. So what I will say is the hope 
for sp spiral dynamics and moving through these this process. And again, it's so much more intricate than what Todd and I just talked about. Yeah, this is like the cliff notes of the summer. This is the cliff notes of Rob's cliff notes. Yes. Okay, right. so it's like double cliff notes. The hope is that you bring everything you've learned with you mm -hmm. and you can include it. You transcend all these places and include it. So if you're, you know, if somebody a friend or a religion or a group or an organization hurt you, you don't bring the hurt with you. You can process through that in your me, but you can still take the learning with you. Right. You you don't, you know, instead of I hate hated my college because of this thing that happened, you can still take what you got that the friends that you made. It's it's a very again, we get into black and white thinking of something's all bad or all good. And the hope is the two be able to move back and forth. That's the human journey. Yep. And um, the transcendent include, transcendent include, over and over. Um, are you guys and gals and everybody else looking for more support, exclusive content, and awesome community of parents? Join Team Zen where you'll get zero pressure, 100% support. First month is free by typing in the coupon code FRIEND. We just interviewed uh, Rosalind Wiseman on this private Zen Talk podcast. Well, we actually didn't interview her. Yeah. Just everyone on Team Zen was able to ask her questions yeah. live. Yeah, you get access to these, these pretty uh, amazing people. Yeah. Um, so we did that with Rosalind uh, last couple weeks. couple weeks ago. So anyways, if you're interested, go to uh, zenparentingradio.com to learn more. Men Living, if you want to connect with other guys authentically, check out menliving.org. Connect deeply live fully. And if you want to get um, Zen Parenting Moment twice a week, go to zenparentingradio.com. You'll see at the top, click on Zen Parenting Moment and you subscribe. And if you appreciated what we talked about, please go listen to Rob Bell podcast. Don't get ahead of us though. Just listen to the first one and then maybe we'll do another one on the second one. Or they can or... get ahead of us because then it might be more interesting, right? If That's they true. have listened to them all. Yeah. So if you are driving somewhere, I know we're kind of being, you know, for the holidays being what did we say? Apart together, mm -hmm. you know, but if you are driving somewhere or if you're going to have a lot of time on your hands, these four podcasts are really interesting. Me, we, and us. Yes. Actually, technically it's me, we, and everybody. Oh, really? Too many titles that, yeah. I'm sorry. I've been saying us the whole I know. time. I tried to correct you, but I didn't want to. He, he called it me, we, and everybody? The title of the podcast is me, we, and everybody. Okay. So I'm saying us, but us Everybody is, is better. Us is so much easier because it's only one syllable. Yeah. Well, and that's how I see it in my head when yeah. I see the pictures. Yeah. Um, but it's whatever. Maybe. Um, and then don't forget about the bald head of beauty, Jeremy Craft, painting and remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area, 630-956-1800. Um, hopefully on our next few podcasts, I'll read some awesome reviews on iTunes. We finally got some new reviews, so Yay. the bad one isn't the most recent. So <laughs> thanks to everybody who listened to my it's request. It's super on easy. You can do it from your phone. Like yeah. just punch the stars in. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Just if you listen on the phone, you can give it give us a rating or a review. review. Cool. Uh -huh. Um all right. So that's it. You guys keep trucking. We will catch you next week. Yeah. Adios. Thanks for listening, everyone. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And feel free to leave a five-star review. It helps people find us. Hey, looking for more support, exclusive content, and an awesome community of parents? Join Team Zen, where you'll get zero pressure and 100% support. First month's free if you enter the coupon code FRIEND. Go to zenparentingradio.com. Time is at a premium these days, which is why we're delivering help and hope right to your inbox. Sign up to receive Zen Parenting Moment, a quick read two times a week that helps ground you and remind you of what you already know. Go to zenparentingradio.com to subscribe. 
a special shout out to the guys or for women who want to share a pretty great opportunity with the men in their lives. Men Living is committed to improving men's lives through connection. Included in our program is a low-pressure, 75-minute weekly virtual gathering for men to give and get support and build friendships. If you want to learn more, you can head to menliving.org. Join us for our other podcast, Pop Culturing, where we take a Gen X view on movies and TV and have fun breaking down key moments and the themes that teach us what it means to be human. And don't forget about our founding partner, Jeremy Craft at avidco.net. He is a bald-headed beauty, painting and remodeling throughout Chicago and area. His number is 630-956-1800. Thanks for listening, everybody, and keep on trucking.